This is the KPMG Board Insights Podcast, and this episode is about what boards can learn from shareholder proposal trends. Welcome to the KPMG Board Insights Podcast, brought to you by the KPMG Board Leadership Center. The KPMG Board Insights Podcast series features conversations with directors, business leaders, and governance luminaries to explore the emerging issues and pressing challenges facing boards today. In this episode, Stephen Brown, Senior Advisor with the KPMG Board Leadership Center, talks with Pamela Marco-Gliesi, a partner in Fresh Fields, New York office, whose practice focuses on capital markets transactions and corporate governance matters, about what boards can learn from shareholder proposal trends. Welcome to the podcast, a podcast where we talk to experts about critical priorities for board and corporate leaders. I'm Stephen Brown, a senior advisor at the KPMG Board Leadership Center, and in this episode, we'll discuss Disruption and Recovery 2020. What can boards learn from shareholder trends? And we are joined by Pamela Margalese, who is a partner in Freshfields, New York office. Her practice focuses on capital market transactions and corporate governance matters. Thank you for joining us, Pamela. Thank you, Stephen. Well, you know, this topic, you know, how, what can birds, boards learn from shareholder trends, uh, presumes that shareholder proposals are in itself useful for management and boards to sort of think about. Um, and obviously, we wouldn't be doing this if we thought the answer was no. Uh, but, but, you know, let's not presume anything. Uh, are shareholder proposals useful? And, 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 and why should boards uh, and management to think about the shareholder proposal process in the proxy season that has just passed? I think shareholder proposals give management and boards a lot of information, both in terms of the shareholder proposals that companies get for themselves, but also the trends that we see across corporate America at large. I think they provide a lot of information especially when you look at them in a historical context. So when you look at trends year over year, I think they really do provide a lot of information. So, for example, for a specific company, a shareholder proposal can be an indication that one shareholder and possibly others, depending on what the voting result is on that proposal, has certain issues with the company or wants to see more information. Um, if you look at the, uh, the broader picture, I think what it also shows you is movement over time. There are shareholder proposals that we've been tracking year after year, and you can definitely see a trend line that has developed. Sometimes the trend line shows increasing support year after year, and sometimes it doesn't. I think all of these indicators allow management and boards to really get a sense of what matters to shareholders, both their shareholders and um, in society more broadly and really give them the information that they then need to be able to ensure that strategically they're making the right decisions for their company with respect to these issues and making sure that they're also communicating with their shareholders and their various other stakeholders on these issues so that everybody understands the company's position. Thank you, Pam. Uh you and I are lawyers, corporate governance experts, securities lawyers, so we think about this often. And so we can see that something has come up as a trend that's either 5, 10, or 15 years. And so we, we really get into it. Uh, and I'm always reminded that uh, board members may or may not have the same background that we do. So, that, so that's why I asked the question, just to, to, to affirm. Uh, 
that these are very useful things to sort of think through. And of course, today is very different from yesterday. So when we talk about disruption and recovery, we're talking about in the COVID-19 situation, we're talking about the absolutely tremendous rays of consciousness that we have around racial inequities in this company. And we put them together, both the post-COVID recovery and uh, recovering from understanding uh, this, this new consciousness that we have. And, we, and we, I don't think you can think, them, think of it separately. So that's how we want to sort of approach this and talk about trends. But before getting to trends, simply want to talk about current sentiments of those who vote uh, on proxies, which are shareholders. And I've often said the only natural predator that a board of director has is a shareholder because that's the only one imbued by law with an actual vote on directors. So uh, just like we think in a political sense uh, during a campaign, what is the sentiment of the current voter? What's the sentiment of the current voter when it comes to proxies, which are, which are, uh, which are investors? I would say, and I think that the last few months has underscored this, I think the current sentiment is that they want to be heard. I don't think that any of them, or very many of them, I should say, really have strong dogmatic views that they will really go to the mat for on any level. But I think that what they really care about is um, wanting to be heard by the company. So many times shareholder mm -hmm. proposals are a tool that shareholders use in order to facilitate some kind of engagement with the company. They care more about the dialogue they get to have with the company than the shareholder proposal itself. And we saw, including in this proxy season, many shareholders who agreed to withdraw their proposal, presumably in exchange for some kind of commitment from management. I think the other thing that we've seen is really uh, an ability to express their views through these shareholder proposals. If they engage with management and they feel like they're not getting the kind of progress that they want, then voting for a shareholder proposal or voting against the director winds up being a way to express that frustration. But very rarely, at least in large numbers, is it the avenue of first resort. So I would say that shareholders really are looking for engagement. I would also say that if you do engage with them and you do take the time to understand what their concerns are and what their points of view are, they can prove to be quite understanding. And we saw that a lot in this proxy season where obviously the shareholder proposals had been submitted before the pandemic really started, but then the voting mm -hmm. happened while the pandemic, during the pandemic. And I think what we saw was a certain willingness of shareholders to suspend certain historical policies because there was a recognition that it just wasn't fair to hold companies to the same standards. I think as the pandemic has progressed, I think we also see, saw those views progress on the part of shareholders. And so there's certainly a willingness to be reasonable, but I think the linchpin to all of that really is communication. And so I think that really does put a premium on companies to ensure that they're doing their engagement correctly and effectively, that they're touching on the right issues, and that the disclosure then also helps to buttress that messaging. Absolutely. And uh, beyond uh, consumers boycotting or taking to social media, uh, this process of doing a shareholder proposal is probably one of the more democratic representative functions within the securities laws, which basically says until they change it. It currently says if you have $2,000 of a stock and you've held it for more than a year, you too can have access to... Uh, to you can have access to the proxy of a corporation that you own. Uh, talk. Many of these shareholders who are voting 
the institutional shareholders have themselves shareholders themselves. Uh, they are a publicly traded company and they have shareholders and they face pressures too. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of uh, how they're responding and what are they doing to the fact that they have they themselves as asset managers have shareholders? Yeah, definitely. I think that was a trend that's been going on for a couple of proxy seasons now, but in this proxy season or this year, it seems to have really hit a little bit of a heightened status. I think there are a number of shareholders who really started feeling a lot of pressure from their own shareholders. And what they've done is they've made commitments in terms of their own activities and their own portfolios about what companies they will and will not invest in um, when they can. Um, and the other thing that they've done is that they've decided to be much more transparent about their own voting decisions and, and much more uh, in line with their own policies. So if they're looking to hold companies accountable on certain things or if they have stated that certain issues are priorities for them, being much more transparent about how their vote lines up with their stated policies. So I think you're seeing just a lot more, um, a lot more alignment between what they're saying and how they're voting. So they... they they, shareholders, want to be heard. So let's look at trends that we saw coming out of this proxy season. Uh, first of all, uh, ESG, environmental, social, and governance. If we stick with the environmental part, uh, did we see climate change proposals and where are they going? We definitely saw climate change proposals across the board. I think on E and S proposals, what we saw was increased support for them. That's not to say that there was necessarily um, passing in large numbers, but there are, um, but they, they, but they do continue to pass. And even when they don't pass, they have continued to garner increasing support. So certainly, climate was at the top of that list. Um, uh, so I think I think that trend continues. Uh, anything else in the in the ES space? Uh, it was ESG, uh, but when we say ESG, I think a lot of people just mean the ENS, the environmental, environmental and social. We'll get to the governance in a second. Uh, what are what are the other top trends that we saw in the environmental and social space that boards should be thinking about? I think the other issue that we saw become increasingly popular um, in terms of proposals this year were HCM, so human capital management-related proposals. Not, and then what we saw as a result of the pandemic and the social unrest that um, has come afterwards, we also just see that as a much bigger topic for engagement. So uh, whenever shareholders talk to companies over the last couple of months, they have really been focusing on this topic. and. It just sort of makes sense, wanting to understand um, diversity in the workforce, wanting to understand gender pay equity, wanting to better understand certain compensation decisions, wanting to ensure that workers are being taken care of and health and safety matters are really top of mind for companies. And so none of it is necessarily surprising, but I think that the pandemic and the social unrest it has followed has really focused people's minds on these issues. So I think what was a growing trend already has now just become at such a heightened level that it's it's really become a strategic and undeniably strategic issue mm -hmm. for companies to manage. We also saw one or two uh, proposals to get worker representation on boards. Now, again, these were filed pre-COVID, pre-George Floyd, uh, but nevertheless, they were filed. Uh, can you talk about that and what it looks like for that to be trending in the next proxy season? Yeah, those shareholder proposals are always interesting. So far, they haven't um, 
they, they haven't really gotten high levels of support, usually in the low single digits, and we saw that this proxy season as well. But I think that one of the things they do exemplify is this idea that when we think about proxy season, we think about shareholders, and that obviously makes sense, but that companies have a lot of other stakeholders that are becoming increasingly vocal, and certainly employees fall into that category, consumers fall into that category, impacts on communities is also a really important stakeholder to take into account. And so I think as companies think about all of these issues, certainly on the ENS front, they have to think about the shareholder reaction, but the stakeholder reaction that happens on a daily basis outside of proxy season is also a really important thing to consider. And now to the, the G part of ESG, the governance, core governance proposals, if you will, uh, they've been going down from year to year, and that's because, uh, the, again, there's a lot of uh, settling before we get to the proxy. There's also many companies have already adopted many of the core governance provisions. But one particular, this, the split in CEO chair continues to pop up in the U.S., although uh, as a community, uh, we pretty much have seen that uh, settled, that uh, that corporations, that they have a lead independent director, they're not going to go ahead and do it. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, what we're seeing today, and what we might see in 2021? Yeah, so I think that by and large, shareholders, if you think about this issue in a vacuum, just want some amount of independence somewhere. And so when you talk to them, um, objectively speaking, they feel like if, if there is a combined CEO and chair, they're really okay with that as long as there's a lead independent director that has meaningful responsibilities and is providing some kind of independence to the process. Um, what we saw in this proxy season, interestingly, is that there were a number of proposals for the separation of CEO and chair position that were submitted by um, opioid-related organizations. And I think the reason there is as a, in response to some of the pharma issues that we've seen over the last couple of years. And so it's really become a mechanism that goes beyond the issue of separation of CEO and chair from an independence perspective and now much more as a tool to ensure some kind of accountability. And so if you think about where we are in 2020 and some of the broader social issues that we're dealing with, you may see this avenue as being a tool that's used in a similar way for companies that shareholders feel um, may be off message or may not be doing the right thing, this may be a way of trying to impose some amount of accountability. And so you may see a resurgence or an increase in those proposals. And of course, we've seen diversity proposals, if you can walk us through those. Diversity proposals have continued going strong, and I suspect that they will keep going strong. I think that diversity, you may remember, started at the board level, and so there has been a lot of progress, at least from a gender perspective at the board level. From a racial perspective, the progress is lagging, but it is there. Um, but I think what you're seeing now is the focus is on management diversity and ensuring that there's proper diversity there. And so you've seen a number of Rooney Rule type proposals that apply to management. But then what you're also seeing is a focus from shareholders, whether it's to proposals or even just engagement on understanding what the pipeline is like, who's coming up, because you can only really have proper diversity at all these higher levels if you start grooming from the bottom. So I think shareholders are taking a much broader approach to these kinds of diversity issues in the pipeline. So as we wrap up here, uh, Pam, uh, in thinking about your job going forward uh, over the next few months, 
what are you going to be telling clients to think about when they when we think about shareholder proposals, proxy seasons, and engaging with uh, the investor, the voter, uh, this year? I think I'm going to tell them to start where that we started our own conversation, which is companies now have been at this for many years. ENS has been around for now a number of years, and we they themselves have a lot of data about results on their own proposals and. Um, data input they've gotten with respect to their engagement with shareholders. And there's also this broader overlay of uh, trends in the market. So I think they have a lot of data that they can leverage. And so what I would tell them is to take a step back and understand everything, all of the data that they have received, and then figure out for each company, and it will be different for each company, what matters to that company. And then to make sure that there's also board oversight and board input into this process, because I think the role of the board is also one that shareholders really want to understand. And then once you've understood what matters to your shareholders and to your other stakeholders, making sure that the decisions that the company makes are strategically aligned with those with those issues, and then flowing all of that into shareholder engagement, into your disclosure, and then your communication with all of your stakeholders. And so I think that there is a real ability here, given everything that we have learned over the last few years, and certainly what we've learned over the last few months, for companies to really be proactive and impactful here, and take all of that data and start coalescing it into a real strategy that then they communicate consistently across the board. Thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, we've all learned that there's a lot of work going forward. And we're happy to take on that challenge. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for listening to our podcast episode on what boards can learn from shareholder proposal trends. Be sure to visit the Board Leadership Center website at kpmg.com us blc for more resources and information for board members and business leaders. And be sure to subscribe to the Board Insights Podcast to be notified of new episodes.